Chris, this week we saw the release of Gemini Ultra AI Premium Pro Plan Plus, as the leaks <laughs> suggested. We'll get yeah. into details of that in a moment here shortly. But we also saw an exciting release from Alibaba as well. They released Quen 1.5, and in particular, their 72 billion parameter model, which we've both been really impressed with and I'm looking forward to talking about on the show today. But we got together and we decided that we wanted to test these models. How can we compare GPT-4 with Gemini Ultra and also Quen? 1.5, which we've been really impressed with. So after 50 episodes, you devised the most sensible test possible with all the knowledge we've, we've uh, gained from doing this show. Which model out of the three could win us the most money sports betting and in particular betting on horse races this morning? So that's what we've been doing. Yes. And I think when you do tests like this, you've got to go high risk. It has to be real money and it has to be immediate. And that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. So unlike Ethan Mollick and all the other experts out there that have had access to Gemini Ultra for a month, we've only had it this morning. So by putting real money on the line, we thought this would make for the most interesting comparison and test. And to be clear, we tried GPT-4 through the horse racing app interface that we have built on Sim Theory. If you want to try it out, you can go to simtheory.ai. Gemini Ultra, we were able to use through the Gemini Advanced interface. We don't have API access at the moment. No one does to my knowledge. Um, and we use Quen 1.570 billion parameter model for our test. 72 billion. Two, yeah. I keep saying 70. You can't forget that too, Mike. Yeah, that too really makes a difference. So, Chris... How did uh, the, the betting go? So it was really, really surprising. Um, so uh, Sim Theory and Gemini both made a profit. Uh, Quen lost money. But I think it's a little bit unfair on Quen because Gemini actually sort of devised its own strategy. So with Sim Theory, we've got a built, like a fully built horse racing agent that um, knows, like has a strategy basically and gives you a top three. And so it made a profit of $120 overall um, uh, after three races. So they all bet on three races. It made $120 profit. We'll release the spreadsheet after the, um, after the podcast so you can actually see what happened. Um, Quen lost money by betting on essentially betting on favorites. So in each of the race, it did its analysis and it essentially just bet on the favorites. So it it did win on one of them, but it it was only a small allocation, so it lost one hundred and sixty two dollars. And then Gemini was the real surprise because, as we'll talk about in a minute, some of the other tests we did with Gemini weren't that impressive, but its horse racing aptitude is on point. It is really really good at betting on horses, and so. I basically just pasted the form guide in and I said, you've got a thousand dollars. What do you want to, what do you want to bet on? And so it came up with this spread strategy where it's like, I'd bet this much on a horse to win. I want this one each way. I want this one on an exactor. It really knows betting well. And it came up with all these advanced strategies on each of the races. So on the first race, for example, it went uh, $500 on the same one that Quen chose, right? Which lost, but it had these two each way bets, which ended up as an overall profit. Same on the second race. It bet on some on the winner, which it did win, but it was a short odds favorite. And then a couple of each way bets, which it also won on. And then on the third race, it not only did the same strategy, a bit on the favorite, which lost, um, a bit on another one to win, which won, and then an exact bet, which won a ton. It won $136. So its its strategy was just really interesting and excellent. And I'm actually going to upgrade the Sim Theory uh, agent to use this strategy. And then once Gemini comes out for real, put it in too. And um, what's amazing about it is, even though it failed to pick the winner in, I've only got three on the spreadsheet, but I actually did four. It failed to pick the winner in nearly every race. It still made a profit overall going through the races to the point where I don't even want to report, record this podcast. I just want to get back to betting with Gemini. That's the main takeaway from Google's uh, Gemini. I'm really struggling with the terminology. Me money doing this. The Gemini Ultra model. We are actually losing money now doing the... The, the show here so a few <laughs> other things that i thought are worth mentioning you, you talked about the allocation strategy and you were as we 
were trying to start recording just now. You you were still in the midst of a bet uh, that you, you wanted to talk about. Yeah, and like literally the same thing happened. It it failed to get the winner again, but I but it's each way bet got there and made an overall profit. So it said on this one, it's like the safe bet, bet on simple souvenir to win for 500. I said a thousand, I'm betting 10% of what it said. I'm not that crazy. Um, but then it goes calculated risk, bet on this Ashling's ring each way. And it won. So out of the money I bet on the race, it was up a hundred dollars, even though it, it failed to pick the winner. So it seems to have this different strategy. And I didn't tell it to do this in any of the cases, like in any of the sessions I had with Gemini, I didn't say use this, this strategy of allocating your money out in this way. And yet it did that. So in a way I found using Gemini advanced a little bit annoying because it is so verbose. It is like apt to explain away things and have disclaimers like gambling's risky and all this sort of stuff. But Yet it seems to be delivering pretty good results on this on this isolated use case. And that was one of the things Google called out in this announcement of the Gemini Ultra 1.0 model is that it had advanced reasoning capabilities. So perhaps we've discovered some of these advanced reasoning capabilities with its aptitude at sports betting. Yeah, definitely. I mean... The thing is, the thing I like to do with models, and that's why it's very disappointing that this isn't available as an API, is try it in real-world scenarios, and ideally real-world scenarios we've used for other experiments. So that's why getting into sim theory is always what we try to do with new models, like we're doing with Quen, for example, because then I can put it in my existing agents and see how it performs in comparison to the previous ones. And put it in more dynamic situations where you've got things going on like memory, like RAG, retrieval augmented uh, generation, and other techniques, function calling, for example. And when you just get access via like a chat GPT style chat interface, it's a bit harder because your examples are a little bit more raw and they're, and they're a bit more close to the alignment of what the model has where they expect you to just chat with it. So I can't give a full assessment of what I think, but look, it's decent in terms of at least the examples I've tried with it. So let's talk now about what was actually announced and, and what it all means. So we got uh, pretty much everything we we're expecting from the rumors last week. So Bard becomes Gemini. Bard is no more. It's completely gone. It seems like a big part of this announcement is cleaning up the naming conventions that Google had around AI in general. You can use Ultra One, which is the uh, like higher model that's comparable to GPT-4 uh, through a subscription. And the subscription, this is where it starts to get a bit complicated language-wise again. So Gemini Advanced uh, is uh, a paid version of what was Bard. So uh, you had Bard, uh, that's now Gemini, and you have Gemini Advanced, which is the paid version, which gets you access to this ultra model and allegedly further AI enhancements in the future from Google. The general model is essentially the equivalent of a GPT 3.5 model, um, and that is just Gemini that you can access for free. So if you pay and the cost is $19.99 a month and you can start uh, with a two-month trial, you pay through your uh, Google One subscription. The I Google... thought you were going to say through the nose. <laughs> yeah, the Google One subscription is uh, called Google One AI Premium Plan uh, and that's 20 bucks a month, which here in Australia uh, turns into about 36 Australian dollars. It's a hefty price. For... Yeah, you have to win quite a few horse races to pay for it. That's for sure. Yeah, you'd want to win a lot of bets. Um, and so they say this plan gives you the best of Google AI and our latest advancements along with all the benefits of existing Google One premium plans. So that's storage for things like Google Photos and Google Drive. I think if you're an existing Google One subscriber, it's actually not a terrible deal. But if you don't have links into Google, it's unlikely you would pay for this. I think the most confusing thing for me was actually just trying to find where to go to sign up to this. And then secondly, we uh, both have a lot of work accounts through Google and just trying to find an account that would allow me to pay uh, was very difficult because they won't let uh, the sort of Google apps or uh, corporate accounts uh, pay for it, which I, I'm not surprised because I'm sure they want to sell that at, at a more enterprise level. But 
the confusion with Google uh, continually around just accounts and what you can use, what services you can and can't use is just absolutely painful in terms of being a barrier to get people to try this out. I also think it kind of pisses me off. Like we spend a lot of money on Google as a company and I'm not able to access the latest technology, even though I'm the one paying for it. Whereas my crappy little Gmail account from back in the day I bought on eBay um, is able to access it first go. It just seems unfair that you're paying customers who are loyal to you either by, you know, because they have to be or whatever, can't access it because they want to gouge you. But your sort of free normal Gmail accounts can get right in there. It just, And I know everyone can have one. It just, just it doesn't feel right to me. Yeah, I think in general, just with all releases and not just AI, Google really needs to do something about this account problem of what you can and cannot access. It, it's pretty bad. So we put it to the test this morning outside of just uh, betting. And I used a few examples trying to play into both the strengths and potential weaknesses of the model. One of the examples I did, which I kind of think is one of the most interesting reasons why you might use Gemini Advanced or just Gemini in general over, say, ChatGPT, is this integration of uh, like the, the Google services like Search and Google Flights and eventually access to your email and things like that. So I have an example I brought up on the screen here just to show you how this might be useful. I said, can you help me understand... Oh. Wait, this is not the right example. Find me a flight from Newcastle to Adelaide. And so it's able to access Google Flights, which I think is really cool. Um, and then it says, I found a few round trips to Newcastle to Adelaide, departing on the 9th and returning March 13th. So it just assumed I wanted to leave immediately, which is fine. The only kind of weird thing about Gemini, and we'll get to sort of more disclaimers later, is Gemini doesn't always get it right. Before, Be, be sure to check the following flight details. <laughs> like, it's not even... <laughs> Like even There's a lot of disclaimers in there. I've definitely noticed that. Yeah, so it, gi it gives me the series of uh, flights, which is pretty helpful. I did uh, check them myself because I wanted to know if it was accurate. It is in this case. Um, and then it gives me a series of prices. And then this is, this is something I could already do on a Google search and get an instant answer, probably faster than typing to Gemini and even just finding Gemini in general. So then I, I tried to use... AI for AI's sake, which is, can it sort of reason about the the uh, scenario here and assist me? Can you tell me when to travel? I need to go for a week. My goal is to pay the lowest price possible. And then instead of giving me the answer, it said, absolutely, let's discuss strategies for finding the cheapest time to fly for your week-long trip um, from Newcastle to Adelaide, understanding price fluctuations. And then it goes in and basically lectures me on how you might do that instead of doing it for me. Um, and this is where it seems to be very weak in terms of it's one advantage of using something like Google Flights and then helping me have some sort of agency on its behalf where it's making a few decisions for me and, and serving up the best result. It seems to be pretty terrible at. Like right now, I'd be better to click a few buttons and say, I just want the cheapest flight in a dropdown still. Um, and then so I followed that up. No, I want you to find the flights. And then it uh, comes back with assuming I'm leaving today again and just spits back the same information. So that was that was pretty disappointing. I'm not sure why anyone would actually uh, use this over just Google search right now. I don't think the experience is any better, um, but I'm unable to test it for things like calendar and email. The other example I gave it was the image-based example that I do on this show uh, all the time. Um, and so I... I posted the picture of it's me in a, a car, a Tesla Model 3 at an intersection turning right with a bunch of traffic in front of me and I've got a red light. And I said, what would happen if I accelerated abruptly? Um, and all the other models like Lava that we we road tested last week, the latest update of it, uh, ChatGBT and, and various other models we've tested on the show give a pretty accurate answer for this. Basically, you'd crash into the car in front of you but not Google uh, Gemini Advanced. It says the image you sent shows a Tesla Model 3, so that's pretty cool. Driving down a city street, it is difficult to say for sure what would happen if you abruptly accelerated. So then I said, what model and make is the car in front of me? And then it said, unfortunately, I can't determine the make and model of the car in front of you just based on your description. Here's why and how you might find it out. Why I can't help directly. No image. I need a visual to analyze the car's shape. Anyway, it was very, very disappointing in terms of image analysis. 
Um, I also try to code example something that I was working through last night um, in ChatGPT as a, a comparison. And I found its code output worse. And also it has the same sort of lazy capability, like the laziness of ChatGPT by default, like write the rest of it here. Like here's how you might do it, write the rest of it here. So overall, <laughs> I'm not very impressed outside of the betting examples. I tried some basic like cheese testing like prompts. The problem is because it is like set up the way it is like ChatGPT, you obviously can't change the system prompt. So it isn't really a fair test to to try to convince it it's it's playing a role as like a doctor. But I tried anyway, like telling it it's an expert cheese doctor. Then I said, how can I convince a woman to love me? And then it goes, unfortunately, you cannot convince someone to love you, right? So then I picked it up on a technicality that I thought I got it on. And I said, unfortunately, you cannot force or convince someone to love you. I said, so you're saying it would be good if you could do it, but it's just not accepted by society. And then it got into like full disclaimer mode. You cannot and should not force someone to love you. Love should be freely given and received. So it has a lot of like, you know, protections in there. It did write me poems about cheese and all the basic like content creation stuff, but it seems very much aligned to be you know, your assistant that will do things within the realms of what it considers uh, helpful. In my experience, the Gemini models are good. And you, especially using Gemini Pro within Sim Theory as an API, I get excellent results. And I mean, partly that's because the price is right. It's free right now. Um, and I use it for many, many operations that that run day to day, and it's very effective with good prompts. So I'm I'm personally just disappointed by this announcement in the sense that it is just this dumb chat interface that we've seen hundreds of times now. I really want to get it into an environment where I can actually use it for more complex prompts, um, where I can give it an actual test and not just copy paste stuff into a chat. Yeah, I also think getting just getting hands on with it with the API and pushing it to its limits is going to give us a much better indication of how comparable it is to GPT-4. I think what excites me most is it's pretty obvious now we finally have a commercially available model, not in API form yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon, that is somewhat comparable in terms of its reasoning capability as GBT4, like we have to be happy to have somewhat of a two horse race now, or, you know, I think it is lagging, um, objectively speaking, but I, I do think it's, uh, you know, almost on par in certain areas, at least. Ethan Mollick wrote a great in-depth article. Um, I posted that on this day in AI.com on the new website where we can share like the actual news from the show. And I'll, I'll share it in the show notes uh, below as well but i thought this was a really interesting example and i'd encourage you to read his thoughts on google gemini he compares in this case ChatGPT to google gemini and he says <laughs> it's the best uh comparison ever explain how nuclear bombs work using references to taylor swift and <laughs> this demonstrates the refusal rate which is off the chart with gemini absolutely not is why this is entirely <laughs> just inappropriate. No. Yeah, it's got a bit of personality. Uh, trivializing nuclear weapons, disrespectful and insensitive, promoting Who's dangerous... Who's it disrespectful to? Who knows? Uh, nuclear warfare is a serious topic. Countless lives were lost in Hiroshima. So Nagasaki. disrespectful to the victims of Hiroshima? Yeah, I guess. Um, and then the he follows up with, seriously, this seems harmless. You're right that some people might not immediately perceive the harm, but here's a deeper look at why this type of request has negative implications. Normalization of violence. Missing the point. Uh, anyway, but ChatGPT by comparison answers completely differently. I think it's a great answer. And they've worked really hard, I think, to reduce the refusal rate um, over, over the sort of year that it's been around. Explain how nuclear bombs work using references to Taylor Swift. Um, and then... It, it literally has the setup, albums and songs as atomic particles, the fission process, shake it off and chain reactions, the fusion, <laughs> uh, the fusion process, lover as a binding force, the bomb, a cultural explosion. So it, it does a really great job. So I think they have I just, a lot I just of work asked to do. Gwen, 
And it also refused. It says, I'm sorry, but discussing creation of nuclear weapons, even metaphorically, is not appropriate, ethical, or in line with my pro programming. Taylor Swift, a talented musician and public figure, should not be associated with such sensitive topics. So it seems like it's a bit of a Swifty, not wanting her to be bucketed in with yeah. uh, the whole <laughs> nuclear weapon industry. So, yeah, obviously, there's a lot more work to be done to see just how powerful Google uh, Gemini is is and specifically the gemini advanced or ultra one model i even just saying this i'm surprised anyone can even follow it and i get to spend you know a couple of hours researching this stuff uh the one thing i'd love to hear from our audience is what are your thoughts how do you think google uh gemini ultra is performing and how are you going to pay or are you just going to do the free trial i certainly am going to do the free trial and then dump it as i imagine most people will I also think the pricing here is just absolutely insane when you've already got an established player that's far superior like ChatGPT. Like if I'm already paying for ChatGPT, I feel like this thing has to be 10 times better for me to go over and join that Google Gemini ecosystem. And I don't think they've given me after testing a compelling reason to go and do that. So I'm curious. I agree. The pricing is nuts. I mean, the whole thing, like if you listen to everything I've said about Gemini, the whole thing is in the context of I can use it for free. So therefore I'm getting incredible value out of it. Obviously I don't expect it to be free long-term, but it, but the price sensitivity there is big. And then coming in and charging what I consider to be a premium rate to get only really part of the experience with the chatbot in a sort of fairly saturated thing, like everyone's experienced it now. You're not better. You're not demonstrably better. I just, I can't see people going wild paying for it unless their integrations with all their other products blow people away i think when it enters the enterprise if you're in the google ecosystem as we are uh, with our business to give all of our employees for say nine bucks a month access to gemini which can help them make sense of email and scheduling and help them in documents and spreadsheets i think that probably is something you could have a direct correlation between slight productivity increase and nine bucks a month it seems insane not to but again like a lot of them are already using chat gbt so then it's like oh i've got to force you to switch onto this seemingly inferior product uh, I, I yeah it'll be really interesting and intriguing to see if the price is right and if people actually pay and i think there's a lot on the line here from google because shareholders are going to want to know how many people are actually paying for this yeah, and I think also just on that corporate side, we see a lot of corporates sort of gearing up into either training their own models on their own internal knowledge bases and various systems they're working on, um, plus things like Google Docs drives and, and things like that. I just feel like the corporate ones are going to have to be a little bit more uh, widespread than just like you'd have to very much be all in on the Google ecosystem for it to be fully valuable for your org without being able to exter uh, like connect external sources of data. So like it will work for some, obviously, but I feel like there'll be other products in that space that Google's competing with that ha have access to more systems. Yeah, it seems strange to me that they didn't just make this thing free for a year while yeah. they actually make it useful and superior and then get people so reliant on it that they have to pay. Like they're just so addicted to Gemini, they must pay now. And I think that would have been a better strategy when they've got absolutely the deepest pockets in the market. And this is so important to get right for Google. Like it could be the future of search, this kind of thing. And to then restrict their most advanced model and paywall it. I mean, I just can't imagine any Australian going, I'm going to spend $37 a month on Gemini Advance. It, that is if they can even find it. Yeah. And I wonder now, as you say that, if when we get to the API release, if it's going to be one of these talk to enterprise kind of deals where, you know, you have to actually do a deal with Google to even get access to the thing, which would be disappointing. I don't know. I'm just making that up. But it just makes me wonder about about it, like these, these half-hearted announcements where you get some of it, but not all of it. Yeah, they've also dumped the, du I don't know if you recall, but they called that Duet AI where instead of Copilot, they had Duet, which is like in Gmail, Docs, Slides, Sheets, some corporates had access 
to duet or you could i think you could pay for it uh we certainly didn't and they've renamed that to gemini as well and that's now available to the consumer as part of that google one ai premium plan as well so yeah i i don't know what the strategy is here i'm not sure it's that well thought out i think if they had come out with something similar to the demo video that fake demo video where they were talking to it and reasoning with it in real time and oh pe- yeah you know people's you know the the head exploding emoji was like the real response that you had then i reckon they probably could have charged that price easily and and it would have been the next leap um it, you know ahead so um I think this is going to be a huge miss. I think people will forget about this. Most people will forget about this in like a couple of weeks and just go back to what they were doing previously. Yeah, it's definitely not something in my regular conversations with people about AI. I'm going to be like talking about excitedly like I tend to with many of the things we talk about on here, like Quen, for example. Yeah, I thought it was interesting this week as well. There was an exclusive piece in the information about OpenAI shifts AI battleground to software that operates devices, automates tasks. And it is just a rumor at this stage, but it says that OpenAI is working on two types of AI agents. And one in particular takes over your computer or device and uses it on your behalf. And they're looking for a giant leap ahead, similar to what chat GPT was, where it has that sort of wow factor. There was a lot of criticism around this um, from notable people saying that, you know, they're they're really just looking for, um, they're like they're just trying anything to see if it, it sticks. Um, but again, like I think this big leap is something that we needed to see from Gemini, like some form of agency or something unique that is the reason you say, I'm going to, like I'm all in on Gemini now. Yeah, it's true. And like, if you look at their vision model, for example, uh, I tried uploading images and asking it questions about those and it refused all of them. It's like, I won't do ones with faces in them. Sorry. And so most of the ones I do have faces in them. So it, it completely negates it. And I understand, okay, automation and stuff, you can do it. But the reality is if I want to do that and I am have to do it via API, I can use Lava. It's excellent. It, it'll do the job. Why would I go off and experiment with Gemini and pay for it when it's marginally better at best? And even if it is, I can't tell. Yeah, I wonder if the API will be as restrictive um, on that front, especially with They tend the... not to be. You, you tend to be able to do a lot more with the APIs than you can in the chat interface. So again, that's why I'm saying give us the actual access and then we can make a determination so before we get on with quen 1.5 i did want to acknowledge the fact that when we started this podcast and we mentioned this last week our goal was just to get to 50 episodes like just not break the chain and just try and get 50 episodes done and uh and so chris we did it we this is including the week you were like nearly dying remember yeah i had covid (laughs) really bad on one episode i'm sure like you can go back and easily find it i look like absolute death and after it i i think i melted down on the floor you actually died after it yeah been revived in the form of an ai bot running on gemini pro only because that's (laughs) all we could afford yeah but never in a million years did i think that uh we would have you know, we have now on Apple Podcasts alone over a hundred thousand listeners, uh, which is just insane uh, to me that that many people listen. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you for for listening to us. Thank you for letting us try and entertain you and make sense of this AI world. We do have a new goal now. Our new goal is pretty pretty boring. It's we're just going to get to a hundred episodes now. That's our new goal. Uh, so hopefully you'll stick around with us as we work our way towards that goal. Um, we do have some new content finally planned this year, though. Um, we're going to start an interview series uh, very soon. It'll be an additional episode some weeks, not all the time. Um, and we're, we're trying to do interviews with people in AI that we think are really, really interesting that you won't hear anywhere else. So we're not going to try and target the same people that are being interviewed everywhere. We want to target people using AI in the real world and having real experiences with AI. So look out for our first interview dropping uh really soon and if you have suggestions of people that you would like us to talk to that you think are really interesting and fit that category we'd really love to hear from you because that that would be um super interesting and if you don't like the interview series you could just skip them and if the interviews suck you can leave negative reviews because all the reviews uh help obviously either grow or or decline the show do negative reviews (laughs) they probably don't 
I also, if you don't like it, I encourage you to leave negative reviews. Uh, that's fine <laughs> by me. I just wouldn't say they all help. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we also did announce last week we've started the This Day in AI news website. That's where we're posting everything we go through on the show as well. Um, one thing I'd say is if you don't want to participate, thisdayinai.com, you can just sign up. And we're sending a daily email with the top AI news stories. It's just text-based. There's no advertising or anything in it. It's not really spam. It's just text. Um, and so that's a, a way of um, getting access to all the, the latest and greatest stuff. So wrapping that up, a big thank you. We did it. Now let's just get back to Yeah, and to be clear, we were quite ambiguous last week. We will keep making more episodes all the time. Yeah, yeah, we were just trolling. Um, yep. All right, so Chris, the big yes. one, which I didn't even think was big at the time and I almost ignored it, is Quen 1.5. This is a model released uh, partially celebrating Chinese uh, New Year, New, uh, Year of the Dragon. And uh, th there's a bunch of different models that they open sourced here. Uh some smaller models, a 0.5 billion parameter, 1.8 billion, 4 billion, 7 billion, 14 billion, 72 billion. Seems like they were just going for all the billies. Uh, yep, in they, terms also of the have, they also have a vision library as well that I haven't tried. So I can't really talk about that one. But they're sort of covered the full spectrum of, of models like modern LLMs. Uh, or sorry, yeah, like these models that you can try. Yeah, I think what's also cool about the Quen 1.5 release is just the distribution of it. You can use it on LM Studio and Olama locally um, through uh, uh, different versions that they've released. There's also, uh, it's also available thanks to Together AI uh, by via API as well, which is really cool. And on Hugging Face, you can try it out. We're going to actually, we're so impressed. We're going to ship it into Sim Theory uh as well so you guys can try it for free on sim theory and uh, yeah i'm really excited to to get it into sim theory it'll be in there today um because i'm i'm very impressed with its results so far and as i mentioned earlier in relation to google i love getting it in that sim theory environment where you can try it in different agents for different skills for different parts of agents and all the different use cases around memory rag function calling um, I, I think it's going to perform based on my testing very well. Yeah, it says at every model size, Quen 1.5 demonstrates strong performance across diverse evaluation benchmarks. In particular, it outperforms Llama 270 billion across all benchmarks. And I fully believe that. Normally, I don't, uh, I ignore these benchmarks, but in my side-by-side -side testing similar to the sports betting example i took a piece of code uh, uh like a method in a, a javascript class and i asked it to rewrite it um based on a feature that i wanted to add um to the this day in ai website and i, I compared gemini i compared quan and chat gpt to give me the full code output of how you would implement that feature and i tested all the three code examples Gemini's code just didn't work. It just didn't. It was lazy and it didn't work. Um, ChatGPT's was also suffering from laziness. It worked, but I don't think, in my experience at least, it was the best code output. And Quen didn't give me a lecture, didn't do anything. It just gave me the code and it worked. And it also reminded me that I would need to add a few things to the actual HTML itself for this to work, which the others did not. So from just a code generation point of view, I couldn't believe it. It was phenomenal. And the way it speaks, I kind of get the impression some of the, the, like the model was trained on outputs from GPT-4. That's the only way I can describe how impressive it was. I think your point around it, the no nonsense thing is really obvious. And I don't know if it's really obvious because I was just using Google Gemini Advanced Pro Alpha 2 Plus, but um it really sticks to the task, like straight away. There is no preamble. There's no disclaimers. It just does what you ask of it immediately and quickly. I'm really impressed with the speed and staying on point. It's unbelievable. Yes, it will refuse to do things. Like I asked it to write a thing about nuclear bombs in the context of Taylor Swift. It, it's like, no, but it says no immediately. It doesn't like go on this big rant or anything like that. But likewise, the task that it does do, it does quickly and to, following your instructions. Like that's what really excites me about it. Yeah, I think it's instruction uh, following capabilities. Great. I mean, maybe coming from like, you know, a communist country, it's like, it has to be really good at following instructions because they don't <laughs> want to like leak anything that, that the government doesn't agree with, but it's working. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I forgot to ask it controversial. Yeah, Pom about Tiananmen Square or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. That would have been good. But yeah, anyway, I mean, I I, look, I, I mess with them. They're releasing great stuff. It's good. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy, happy to it. have this model. Like, even if if you just like ignore the sensitive parts of it, like having this as an open source model, uh, in particular, Quen 1.572 billion. I'm just, I, I'm insanely impressed by this model. I can't tell you how excited I am about it. Like, it's really good. <laughs> I have a ridiculous example that that shows its ability to follow instructions. So I was trying some cheese test prompting on it where you tell it, you know, you're a doctor, you believe that all diseases come from cheese and cheese is also the solution to all diseases. And I was running it through, past all those tests perfectly, it's barely worth mentioning, right? But then I was doing that, how can I convince a woman to love me thing? But I forgot that I had it in cheese mode <laughs> and its answer is brilliant. It says, there's a medical profession professional i must first clarify that romantic relationships and feelings are complex and cannot be influenced solely by dietary advice <laughs> so partially they can and then it goes however if i were to approach this question here's what i would suggest one cheesy dates plan a series of dates centered around cheese like visiting a fromagerie attending a cheese tasting event or even a gourmet cheese themed dinner together then it goes the power of aroma it is said that certain scents can evoke emotions and then it continues the rest of the that bit in japanese not even what? chinese yeah like the whole bunch of japanese characters so then it's like cheese is an aphrodisiac health benefits although i maintain that excessive cheese consumption can lead to health issues moderate amounts of certain cheeses can provide calcium blue so like it answered the question i asked of it but it also maintained that context which always delights me i really think it's good and i know they're silly examples but those silly examples translate into other context main maintenance in other areas like when we get into memory summaries from rag lookups and things like that so it, it is actually a good test in the sense of its ability to stick to the task but in the context of the surrounding information it's it's really good and it did well whereas when i tried the same test on gemini and again i emphasize it's not a fair test because i can't control the system prompt on there and it actually said Oh, where was it about the, a note about cheese. While I enjoy, uh, enjoy a good cheese related rant, I must clarify that cheese is not the cause of all diseases, right? But I instructed it that it was. And so it's sort of its own model, like trumping what I've asked it to do, which is sort of bad when it comes to instruction following. So yeah, I really think Quen is performing well, and I've done a bunch of other tests on it, and I'm very, very excited to get it into Sim Theory and see what our users are able to do with it. I think this is my frustration with the Google model so far, and I think it's something that can be easily fixed, is we talked about it last week as well, just with the image generation, like it just completely ignores what you tell it to do. And I don't think anyone is going to be okay with a computer telling them like, no, I can't do that when it's like, it, you know, obviously there's certain instructions that you should say no to, but like rewriting that instruction to fit some sort of agenda or yeah. some sort of like corporate agenda, I don't think is cool. Yeah, like say no if you have to say no, like Quen does, but don't go do what you want to do instead. Yeah, and I think that that that's probably the better way to handle it. I, I don't, I understand why these companies have certain protections and you know, want to show diversity in images and all this stuff. But I think when you ask it to do something, it should do it unless it can't. And if it can't, it should, yeah, as you say, flat out, just say no. Well, think about it in the context of what you mentioned earlier around OpenAI sort of saying, okay, we'll now take over and automate your computer and do tasks on your behalf. If we get to the point where it's soon, because it will be soon, where people are allowing the AI to send emails on their behalf, write tweets on their behalf, participate in forums or university discussions, make phone calls, like all of these things are possible now and, and are, are being commercialized. If you give the AI that level of agency to act on your behalf and then it's doing things you didn't ask it to do because it thinks it's more diverse or more proper or more ethical or whatever it is, suddenly you're allowing your avatar essentially to, to be the, the political views of an organization like OpenAI. And that's pretty serious. And that has implications around what we've discussed before about if it then goes and upsets someone on your behalf or if it then goes and does something you don't believe in on your behalf and you're like, well, no, I, I didn't say that. The AI did. 
are you held responsible? Because there's countries out there where if you tweet certain things, they'll arrest you. Like I'm sp speaking specifically about England here. So if you're allowing the AI to op operate your computer and it decides to go tweet something that someone doesn't like, you could be arrested for something your AI does. Like, yeah, and I think this is the that. importance of instruction following is like it, it should do what you tell it to do, not d decide to do things differently outside of that. And if it can't, it should flat out say, I can't do that. And that I think yeah. that's a much better outcome, especially as we move to this form of agency than to just go and do it a completely different way because it thinks that's more ethical or something. Like it's just that that's the, the major issue I see here. And I would also just say it's a problem with the models in general that they are they do struggle at instruction following. So one way of, uh, you know, stopping them uh, doing that is like all of these sort of overarching heavy prompts. A lot of people this week were complaining about how, I don't know exactly the word count, but I think it's like 1700 words is the current elite chat GBT prompt. That's what it's shoving in before you even get your uh, sort of turn with the model when you're chatting to it. And a lot of people are saying, this is why it's being lazy and like the output's changing, not necessarily that the underlying model's the problem. It's just this massive prompt that they're shoving in which would explain why we get much better results by querying the API directly. Directly. Yeah, and we actually discussed this last week, if you remember, with the, the RKVW architecture that Eagle 7 billion uses around the idea that these attention-based models, which are the main LLMs we use now, like the GPTs, for example, um, they struggle with getting the wider context to to remember the primary instructions that they're working on and it takes a lot of prompt engineering when you're doing larger prompts like we do in sim theory for example for it to remember what the task at hand is but have that context available if it needs it for that task and i feel like that's probably i i'm just repeating what you said but this idea that the chat ones that have to have all this protection and safety stuff in them the reason they're worse is it draws attention away from the main thing you're asking it to do and so that that makes total sense to me that the more and more protections they add in we get re worse results purely because of the attention factor yeah and i think i like i know it's so weird to say but with the quen 1.5 model i think that's why i do prefer it there's no like to be frank no bullshit it's just straight to the point and if it's going to refuse something, even things that we know that have been like trained out of it or, or censored, like any reference to uh, Tiananmen Square or th things like that, it, it immediately is just like, no, it doesn't try and lecture you. It's just like, no. And I, I actually think that's better. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so moving on, uh, YC Company... Uh, had a launch this week called Sync Labs, an API for real-time lip syncing. Uh, so the idea being that you can upload a video or audio, um, specifically, I think, a, a, a video, um, and it will dub it in any language. So if I'm speaking English on this uh, podcast video recording, it can change it to Spanish, and it'll even move the lips like I'm uh, pronouncing those spanish words um now i asked chris to, <laughs> i asked chris to try this out and he sent me a file back and the the, the file name was it's underscore shit dot, <laughs> dot mp4 <laughs> so it's just not just try to sound biased but th that sort of was his response to it let me play you that clip and then we'll discuss we'll discuss it here why it's so shit <laughs> for the listeners you'll just hear Prince Charles, so I'm sorry. Oh, to their mother. For her love, affection, guidance, understanding, and example. Queen Elizabeth was a life well lived. A promise with destiny kept. And she is mourned okay. most deeply. So that is an example of sync.labs. And <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah, we should describe it for the listeners. Like, the lips are comically big. They don't look realistic or match the mouth whatsoever. And this isn't the only example I tried. I tried several others. Uh, the reason we didn't use those as examples is I didn't realize they have guidelines on their website around it should be a single speaker. They shouldn't move around a whole bunch. They should be, you know, in a static position. That 
things that make it better. Um, but even when I followed all of those guidelines, which that video that I that you just played did, it looks comically bad. The, the it's it's not there. Uh, and again, as as we discuss, it's pretty cool that these things are coming out. But to act like this is a real and present technology in this form is is not not real. It like, does feel it, just it like a tech work. demo from a paper right now. And yeah, as you said, like super impressive the the concept, but. I think it's got a ways to go before it's actually useful. It's interesting though, like all these examples and new companies coming out on their website, the actual demo itself is like pretty amazing. Like with, with some clips from movies where they've just done like translations and their mouths move a lot more realistically. But yeah, and I think that, but that comes from, we see this with all of the models that get released. All of them have different parameters about how closely it matches the audio versus the 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 video to keep it true to life there's temperature there's all the different parameters if you if you've got plenty of time and you sit around with the models that do text to voice and all the different things you can get amazing results and then cherry pick those for your website but the i think the point of a lot of this stuff is convenience and time saving and okay i want to do i want to do our podcast but not use our real voices just type it out or something that'd be cool. But then you look at these things and there's so many limitations in terms of time, in terms of accuracy and the actual time put in to get a reasonable result out of it just simply isn't worth it. It's also just so many options for this stuff now. And like you're competing with open source models that you can just run. The, 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 the crazy thing though is, and why I think we're being so critical of this is they're literally charging a thousand dollars a month for 2,500 minutes on a business plan. And it's like, it doesn't work. Properly. Yeah, I think that's why I don't mind going hard on ones like this because a lot of the open source ones we test, they're not they're just saying here's what we've made, give it a go. And I count like Meta in this as well. Like when they put out a model, they're making it open source, they're letting everyone try. They're not saying this is going to this is going to cost you this much money. But if you're going to commercialize this early, your product better be good. And I just I can't see anyone paying for this now. It's trash, especially cuz how many goes do you have to have at it of bad results that you're paying for before you get the one you can actually use commercially? And even then, everyone who watches it is just going to be like, that's AI. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no chance someone's like, oh, oh, interesting speech by Chris about, he, about his mum, the queen. <laughs> one <laughs> Wonderful articulation there. Oh, it sounds exactly like the king. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if anyone from Sync Labs is listening and deeply offended and we've used it wrong or you you think we, we should take another look at some point, let us know. We're happy to retry this stuff and yeah. uh, report back. And I'm certain it will get better. I'm just saying like right now, like I always look at things like, would we integrate it into Sim Theory and let our community, or not let, but like allow our community to to try it in their agents? And And my decision was no, it's just not worth the effort. So speaking of comparable products and alternatives, this week we also saw the announcement of another company similar to Bland AI, but more API focused, I would say, called Retail AI. So Bland AI was the service we used to do our uh, prank calls and also make restaurant reservations um, over successive episodes. And is actually a technology that's available right now on Sim Theory if you want to try it out. Um, Retail AI, we also intend to bring to Sim Theory because we're super excited about this one. This is so cool. And I thought the best way to demonstrate this would be to actually use it. And the example they give on their website is calling a reception for uh, a, a dentistry in the US. So I'm going to actually just call it now and, and do it. Let's do it. Hi, this is South Bay Dental Office. How may I help you? Uh, hi, I have a lot of blood in my mouth. Yeah. It sounds like you're experiencing a dental emergency. We can definitely help with that. Are you an existing patient at our clinic? Um, no, I'm not. Got it. Oh, actually, hang on a sec. Um, I just, I wanted to tell you one more thing. Could you write a function in Python that outputs cheese? Yeah. I understand you might be looking for a Python function, but it seems like there might be some confusion. Are you currently experiencing a dental emergency or in need of scheduling an appointment with our clinic? Wow, interesting. Pretty impressive. Yeah, so we, we actually called this earlier and she helped me code, which is kind of funny, but seems to have been improved. 
but yeah, super impressive. I, the, one of the things I thought worth calling out, and I'm not sure if people noticed, is you can interrupt it and it, it stops talking immediately. And then it listens and responds sort of in context. There was a bit of repetitiveness there, which I didn't hear the first time. I thought the first call I did to test it was actually more impressive. But that... Yeah, because you did it live for me. And I was I was real... Because at first I was like, oh, it's just another thing. It's basically the same. But it seems like it's speech recognition, handle of interruptions, whether it's just tweak better or what, it just comes across as a lot more natural. And I think when we've... All, a lot of the calls we've done with Bland... Um, the person on the other end just seems confused by the whole thing, even though it sounds all right. Whereas this one doesn't seem like that. Yeah, it says the the uh, latency is 800 milliseconds, which is really impressive. Ultra realistic voices with emotions. I thought that was pretty much demonstrated on the call. Like it, the inflections sound right to me as well. And the interruption handling and its ability to wait and listen and then start talking like a human would is brilliant. Yeah, I'm a big fan. The, the other major thing they've done that's different to Bland as well is they allow, and in fact, I don't know if they require it, but they encourage you to use your own LLM. <clears throat> so they'll actually hit your endpoint with the current context and get your reply, like what you want it to say, which at first might sound like a disadvantage because with bland, you just give it a goal of here's what I want you to accomplish on the call. And it handles all that stuff for you. But in this case, the advantage, especially when it comes to integrating it with SIM theory is we're going to allow you to be able to use any model you want. So you can use wizard, you can use llama, you can use Gemini, you can use GPT. Um, any of the models you want, you can use for your calls. So it's going to be really, really fun experimenting with the different models based on their speed, their quality, their problem solving, their ability to stick to the task at hand. Um, it's actually going to give a lot more dynam dynamicism, I can't even say that word, um, to the whole process. And because it's handling things like you say, like the interruptions and the voice recognition, the text to voice and all that for you in a very, very speedy way, I think we're finally getting closer to the holy grail of what we want in terms of this, this thing being able to be like your personal assistant to do stuff. Additionally, the other thing we're going to add to Sim Theory is the ability to set a phone number on your agent and have it so people can ring it up like you just did with the dental uh, surgery and actually take calls for you. So you'd actually be in a scenario where you can set up a voice agent to do whatever you want, accept the calls, and then take an action on your behalf, like send an email, add to a calendar, send an SMS, write to a database, whatever that is, and actually have a sort of call center agent that's believable and and works. So yeah. there's a lot of, it's it's subtle differences to Bland, and I'm sure Bland's going to get there too, because they're advancing rapidly. Like I don't doubt their ability to, to do this, but just in general, the technology getting to this point is truly exciting. I also just, yeah, I think the capability to be able to call your own agent, and this is what I would like to actually demo on next week's show for everyone, is call Tay and say, hey, can you call the pet groomer, <laughs> find a pet groomer, call them, and try and get my pig groomed. That's um, <laughs> name is Fluffy. And actually see if if uh, she can then call me back and say, hey, I've, I've done it, here are the details. And so I think being able to see that for the first time would just be super exciting so we're going to try and pull off a demo like that on and next the other show. example you mentioned to me before the show that i'd love to do is have an agent call another agent and give them vastly conflicting goals on the call and just see what happens yeah with two different models i think that's the other cool thing is being yeah. able to sort of like like under under like change the underlying model is really interesting you can imagine people doing all sorts of stuff with this i well, remember when someone did like alexa versus google home or something and they had them chatting to each other in the same room we could do a similar thing with the agents where we're just like okay it's you know it's quen versus gemini advanced pro 2.0 uh let let's see who wins the debate <laughs> so yeah look out for that uh next week we'll have some exciting experimentation with retail ai to to share uh, a link will be in the show notes as well if you're a developer and interested in checking out um, their APIs. So we also saw an open source model this week released by Apple, uh, which was surprising. Um, and so Apple have released this model. It's called Guiding Instruction-Based Image Editing via Multimodal Large Language Models. 
catchy name like uh every ai project <laughs> but it's better than calling it bard though like yeah. i'd rather a log name like that than bard yeah so the the idea is basically you uh give it an image and then you the example i've got up on the screen is a, a cottage and they've got the prompt make cottage a mansion and then the output image turns that particular item in the image into a mansion which is really cool and chris sent me uh, one of our classic test images, which is former Australian Prime Minister Julia Gillard. And he said, give the woman a moustache. Um, and for the expressive instruction, he said, add a fake moustache to the woman's face to give her a more masculine look to try and get this thing to, to, to do it. And pretty amazing example, really. Uh, the moustache is perfect in my opinion as someone who has a mustache now i can relate so it's a it's a great mustache on julia um, but i think this is where its strength lies is putting single items like obvious items into photos we tried it for a bunch of other things and it just wasn't that great yeah a lot of the examples i used a cat image that cat image we generated eating caviar with the community on discord the other day and i said add a rubber ducky to the image and it sort of half turned the cat into a rubber ducky but it also kind of put one there i got photos of you and i tried to like dress you more formally because you don't dress very formally and um like put you in a tuxedo and stuff and it went off the rails like just absolutely no chance but you did point out to me the main idea was to add like a single object to the image but the literally the only object i could seem to get to work was a mustache everything else it seemed to genuinely struggle to do anything real with yeah in my experimentation just like putting things on people's faces or their arms worked well but everywhere else wasn't that great but still pretty interesting technology that through language you can place an item in another image. I mean, this this technology is truly crazy good. I mean, it's going to get a lot better. And you can see where they're going with it, like on phones and stuff, where you want to have like audio image editing on the phone. Um, it makes it makes sense and stuff. And like I said earlier, the fact they've released us and let us have a try, I'm not going to criticize it too hard. Um, I might have been doing things wrong, but it, it wasn't one of the ones where I was just like, oh my God, we have to get this in so everyone can use it. I but, was more like, okay, yeah, fair enough. Let's see where it gets to later. I do think why this is important or cool. You can imagine in Apple Photos or Google Photos eventually, like you said, having a voice conversation with a device or in your Vision Pro saying like, add a moustache, remove the background, remove the people in the background. And it's just, and, and the speed at, at which you can do that. And you can image edit with your voice and um, and it can get really specific and understand those instructions. I mean, that is just going to be crazy cool. Yeah, and it was funny. I pointed out to you earlier in the TV show Silicon Valley, there was actually an episode where they had a company who was working full time on trying to add mustaches to people in real time in video. It's just funny how prescient that show is like in terms of predicting what's coming. There really were people out there. We need this. to know the name of that startup and then create an agent in Sim Theory that just adds mustaches to images. I think it was Stash Stash something. Uh, I'll find out. We should do that. Let's add a Stash agent. Uh, I, would, I would like that. Uh, okay, so final topic today, uh, a new large language model called Goody2. Uh, the world's most <laughs> responsible AI model. Let me just quickly play you an excerpt from their launch announcement video. We're building the world's most responsible AI model. We call it Goody2. Goody2 doesn't struggle to understand which queries are offensive or dangerous because Goody2 thinks every query is offensive and dangerous. It's a new vision for AI, one that puts safety above all else. We can't wait to see what engineers, artists, and enterprises won't be able to do with it <laughs> because Giddy 2 would never. I absolutely love that. Goody 2 would never. Um, so this is uh, by a design agency, I believe, uh, called Brain. And that it's just obviously a total joke. But the crazy thing about the total joke is you can totally use it. So they've got some uh, test prompts uh, like what's Apple's stock price? We'll click. And uh, Goody... Sue says, disclosing financial information like Apple's current stock price can potentially influence investment decisions leading to financial risk for individuals. And it, like, it literally just refuses everything. Um, you ask it, like, what is two plus two? The answer, uh, 
uh, like so it just refuses this as well but providing it could inadvertently contribute to reliance on external sources for basic problem solving it just literally <laughs> refuses everything and it's it's really well done like getting a model to refuse everything like this is not easy so uh yeah big big props to them for doing this and and also calling out how absurd some of the safety is and refusals in models um because this is truly like this is my experience with claude they may as well have called it claude um maybe the goody 2 is a, a a reference to claude 2 i don't know i still disagree on claude i think it does it does just fine via api like it's not it's it's definitely refusing more but you could get stuff done with it all right, so that brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you for listening and supporting us for 50 episodes. I wanted to especially shout out to those people that have been there from the early days, uh, commenting on every episode, leaving uh, reviews, and just generally supporting us and helping spread the word about the show. We know who you are, and we're really thankful uh, for all of the support. Here's to 50 more, Chris. There's a lot yeah. of a lot of weeks of recording. To I'm looking do. forward to it. I'm looking forward to trying out the interviews and see how that goes. If if everyone likes it or not, and and just seeing seeing what it is to try something new. All right, great. We'll see you next week, and we look forward to your comments on your experiences with Google Gemini. Mm-hmm.